Hey everyone, I'm Sambal Siddiqui, Mayor of Cambridge. And I'm Alana Mellon, Vice Mayor, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. It's Tuesday, feels really weird to be doing this on a Tuesday instead of a Friday, but um, this is kind of a weird week, so here we are. Here we are. Um, we weren't here last week, but the week before we were talking about um, a few shows. We both finished the flight attendant. You finished it real fast. Well, what, what happened was I was like, I am going to binge watch this show. I was like, was it over Thanksgiving? Something. Maybe it was my birthday weekend. Anyway, I got to the last episode and didn't realize it was like an HBO special that like that dropped every week. And the only one I was missing was the next week. So I was done binging and then I had to wait like a week to watch the last show and I was not pleased about it. Not happy. But um, it was really good. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. I think I, I don't know, I get really impatient. So I end up forwarding a lot of stuff. What? <laughs> I know, I know. I'm really, <laughs> really okay. All right, get to the, the good stuff. Get to the good stuff. It's hard to know what the good stuff is, but um, yeah, it was good. I've been also been watching Girlfriends and Blackish because I love um, Tracy Ellis Ross. So is there a new version of Girlfriends? Because that was an older show. There is not. Um, you I've just never, went back to watch it. Okay. I never had seen um, Girlfriends at all. Uh, I was I watched Friends and that's all I knew about. But well, lo and behold, Girlfriends is, I mean, it's so outdated with the jokes and all these things, but I love it. So it's so funny. Do you remember when Ayanna Presley was on the podcast and you were like, my favorite show ever was Friends. And she was like, there are no brown people in that show. And then she was saying her favorite show was Girlfriends. And yep. so I've always wanted to go back and pick it up. So what what's it on? What is it streaming? It's on, on Netflix. It just came back on Netflix. It's oh, okay. eight seasons. Honestly, Tracy Ellis Ross is just the best. And I, I've watched Blackish for years. And so she also went to Brown. So have that pride. Um, and so you guys are going to be best friends. Basically. I, I just, I adore her. I follow on her Instagram, all these things. So I've been <laughs> meaning to watch, um, I've sent her messages, <laughs> uh, stalker here. Um, you know, and the girlfriends, it's all about friendship, which obviously that's the reason I love the show friends. Um, but lo and behold, didn't know that girlfriends was airing, you know? So I'm just glad I get to experience it now so well Ayanna would be very proud of you I know I should text her (laughs) (laughs) I should be like oh thank god you're finally watching this (laughs) thank goodness oh my gosh so we talked on Friday night we had such a um good Friday night we talked for a while I looked back I was like wow and we were just talking about how like how busted broken dejected we both are and Mm -hmm. look um, I've probably put on <laughs> maybe 20 pounds, maybe. <laughs> There's lots like, of hair. <laughs> we had such a funny, like, such an honest conversation that the next day I was like, ooh, did I say anything? Because I, I was like, I had found this picture of us from like January. And I was like, who are these people? I didn't even recognize either of us. We look so different. Um, I think this this year has definitely aged me more than any other. Um, I definitely only wear sweatpants now and not just cause they're comfortable <laughs> because, <laughs> um, most of my pants just don't fit, but I'm like, I'm, I'm finding some peace with that. Um, I think 
we've all, we've all, um, it's been like a really traumatic year for so many people in so many ways. And mine has been coping with baked goods and um, copious amounts of fried food. So <laughs> the end. I know. I like do not looking at pictures right now. I'm just like, wow. Um, that was definitely, it's been rough. It's been rough. So I, I am committing myself to some more fitness <laughs> in, in 2021. But there is this meme that I just saw. It was like, can you guys think 2021 is going to be any better? <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, I, I'm committed to, to at least eating more green and um yeah, for the life of me, I, I need to need to do that. But it was a it was a fun conversation. But anyway, we um we have some updates for you all today, uh, and we'll tell you about some events too. So, Alana, why don't you start? Yeah. So last night we had a city council meeting, and we got our regular weekly COVID update, and we had some sad news over the last week. Unfortunately, three residents lost their lives to COVID nineteen last week the first residents to pass away from the virus in Cambridge since September. And all three were from the community, meaning they weren't living in long-term care facilities. So um, our hearts go out to their family members during this really difficult time. And it's a good reminder for all of us that this virus is still raging through our community and um, to be extra vigilant and safe. Uh, in terms of testing, Cambridge has actually administered over 14,000 tests in the past two weeks and 17, thousand total for the month of December so far. It's the 22nd. Um, just to give you an idea, in November, we administered 17,000 test totals, which um, may indicate to me anyway, that the more that more people are planning to travel or gather with loved ones at Christmas than at Thanksgiving, which um, would be somewhat disastrous in the face of where we are in this virus right now. So uh, that, that made me a little bit nervous looking at those numbers yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so testing is happening this week, but we're going to stop um, tomorrow, which is Christmas Eve. And, no, tomorrow uh, is the 23rd. But it's going to stop tomorrow? Yes. It's yeah, so it's happening tomorrow. today. It's um, stopping tomorrow um, and stopping Christmas Day and reopening 12-26. And additional testing sites have been added for December 28th and January 4th. And in addition to testing at 50 Church Street and Harvard Square, the, there's been um, testing at, there's gonna be testing at uh, Cambridge side. Uh, you can enter at 58, no, I'm sorry, 88 First Street with your car from 11 to 7 uh, p.m. on these um, two extra days. And there's also the the Pisani Center location on Saturdays, it's moving to St. Paul's uh, Amy on Bishop Allen Drive as of January 2nd. Yeah, I actually, I drove down First Street on Sunday and the cars were backed up onto yes. Denny Street, which was really bananas. Um, although I heard it was less crazy on Monday, just a 20 to 30 minute wait. So get your COVID test. Um, like Semple said, they are not happening on the 23rd, 24th, or 25th, and then New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Uh, so that also the city manager last night uh, announced that he's signing an executive order to moving to a modified phase two part two, um, which includes some rollbacks and capacity limits for a few business types and venues. So fitness centers and gyms will move from 40% capacity to 30% with tighter restrictions on changing room capacity 
and a time limit of 90 minutes in the facility. Also outdoor event locations are going from a capacity of 50 people to 25 people. These will both go into effect on Saturday, this Saturday. And Charlie Baker uh, said yesterday in his press briefing, press briefing that uh, people shouldn't gather with loved ones. And he's you know, really worried as a re about the post Christmas spike, post holiday spike. Um, um, but, you know, he's literally doing nothing um, to stop it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, he's said that all options are on the table, but that table has been sitting there, <laughs> not doing much. Uh, and, and, but gathering options until we are well past the point of slowing the, the, the spread. And so the death toll continues to climb here in Massachusetts. And although we saw a lower number of overall cases yesterday, it's not looking great heading into the holidays. So, you know, it's him saying all options at the table um, and, you know, gathering options is not doing anything right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he's been saying all options are on the table for about six weeks while yep. we continue to watch cases climb. And um, I, I think, I, I don't remember the exact number, but I think on Sunday, we lost about 80 people in the state of Massachusetts. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure what he's waiting for in terms of what those options are and not deploying them. So we shall see, but um, if you are planning to get together with your family uh, at Christmas, please do it outside, please do it masked, please make sure you have a test before you go. Um, things, are, things are not looking great. Um, I hope you've been quarantining if you're exactly. going to see family, yeah. So um, we do have some um, homeless, uh, homeless updates. So the Spalding Center, the Transition Wellness Center is what it's being called, which is a new temporary emergency homeless shelter, which is located at the Spalding Hospital. It officially opened to residents uh, last Wednesday, December 16th. So residents who were staying at the shelter on the War Memorial Recreational Center over at the high school transitioned to the Wellness Center and the Caspar Emergency Services Center shelter at 240 Albany Street. So with that transition complete, the, the shelter at the War Memorial is in the process of being deconstructed and a deep thorough cleaning uh, is being conducted right now. So that's one homeless update. And then there was also a new shelter that opened at 11-15 Green Street in, in Central Square and is a partnership between the state and local prop, nonprofit Solutions at Work it will house nine, or sorry, 40 plus residents in the New England School of English dorm. So that's really an exciting new development with the state um, in partnership with Solutions at Work to provide dorm rooms for um, formerly unhoused residents to make sure that we've got a place for them over this winter uh, as our, our other homeless shelters have been either closed. I know the Har Harvard Square homeless shelter has been closed since March um, and the other ones were uh, depopulated due to spacing restrictions. So that's ex that's actually a really exciting development. That's great, yeah. Um, and then another thing that uh, the city manager talked about last night and announced was that um, as a result of a policy order that you and I put in, I think two weeks ago, the city is now working with the food pantries to provide additional emergency funding of $75,000 through uh, the CEOC and Food for Free uh, to purchase additional food items that are not currently available through the Greater Boston Food Bank and providing funding for a program that um, was operating out of the USDA, which is a, a Farmers to Families program, which was a 
a box of fresh vegetables and other items that was helping farmers actually, as well as um, helping work on hunger and food insecurity, that those boxes we used to distribute, I think maybe close to a thousand of those a month. Um, those have been increasingly harder to find and you know, the food pantries have been clamoring for them because they were a very easy way to get fresh, healthy food to their um, food pantry guests. So Food for Free is starting their own program, uh, a food box program. So that will help there as well as this additional funding will be um, purchasing grocery store gift cards to help families in need. So this $75,000 of funding is coming kind of just in time as the, you know, these food pantries are really experiencing a double crush of not having enough food coming from the Greater Boston Food Bank because of food chain supply problems and the increasing need that is happening in the community. I don't know if you heard this morning on WGBH, there was actually an interview done with um, or at the Cambridge Community Center who has been you know, operating a de facto food pantry since March and doing an amazing job. But um, it was really around, you know, in a recent study that 40% of those who are waiting in line right now for food assistance are folks that have never needed food assistance before. And, you know, that, that number is really shocking. And it's, it's something that I think the food pantries have would have been able to tell you if, um, you know, they were you know, having access to the media at this point. It's something that, you know, they are really seeing that there's a lot of newly needy people, a lot of new faces and a huge increase in needs. So the 75,000 uh, will go a long way to address that as well as um, I have been working with Food for Free, CEOC and the other food pantries to launch a Cambridge challenge against hunger. We we're trying to raise $100,000 from the community to help address this issue too. And I think I looked yesterday and I think we're about $65,000. We're trying to raise 100,000 by the end of the year to directly support these food pantry uh, organizations. So if you have a little uh, that you can give, definitely um, go right online and, and send whatever you can because it's a real crisis right now. Yeah, no, I think it's so important to highlight um, these issues. They're really critical. Uh, at this moment of in time. And so I'm so glad to hear that from you're almost close to a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. So we, um, I, I'll give a schools update. I do have a school committee hearing uh, tonight. Uh, we will be um, hearing from Dr. Uh, Danielle Allen uh, about the new schools and the path to zero strategies for pandemic resilience in the face of high community spread. That's the new report that came out and you know the report um, it was discussed at a building and grounds meeting on a subcommittee meeting on Friday as well uh, pretty briefly um, but I think the big takeaway from that was this discussion around um, how schools should use metrics of community spread um, and as general points of information so those are the you know think about the current metrics we have um, and the suggestion is to use them as general points of information, not on and off switches for closure and opening, um, and really should focus uh, their attention on developing ways to measure any in-school transmission and the quality of the infection control um, regime. And, you know, I was struck in the report reading a lot about the recommendations that, you know, they, they make. And when you think about infection control, 
universal masking, hand and bathroom hygiene, uh, you know, achieving four to six air exchanges per hour of clean air through uh, ventilation and filtration, uh, you know, the, the distancing and uh, robust quarantine policies and contact tracing practices, we've really set that structure in place early on, really work in the spring, summer to do that. And they, they talked about in the report how surveillance and screening testing is, you know, it's, it's where feasible. And so that struck me as, you know, you and I remember the summer hot nights that we both engaged <laughs> with <laughs> a lot of folks around, let's make sure we have surveillance testing in our schools. Um, so many conversations around that. And, uh, you know, some of the early on, what we heard was, ooh, you know, logistically, that'll be too challenging. And, you know, I won't go into what, you know, what was discussed, um, but, you know, we figured out our wake, you know, Cambridge Health Department, working with our schools to have testing in person for all our staff twice a week um, is something that most places could only just dream about doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and on all some other calls I've been on the also, you know, I think Dr. Fresh was asked, you know, what do you think it's going to take to bring back our nation, our schools or across the country? And he talked about how most places just don't have access to the rope, this robust testing infrastructure. So we're just so fortunate here in Cambridge to do that. And so I think given all that, that really does give me hope in figuring out how we keep our schools open, how we welcome back more learners. I mean, there's a lot of complex, there's a lot of changes, but I think this report, and we'll hear tonight a little bit more just about some of these key aspects um, to, to, to move our discussion forward. We will be um, taking a vote um, on the three to four, three to from going from six feet to three, three feet in our, in our lower elementary model, um, which has also been recommended in the report. We've been talking about it for weeks now, um, but again, it's for the expansion second semester, which starts February 8th and beyond. So it wouldn't be, you know, um, in January. Uh, so we're working on that and some quarantine um, policy. So all of this has been discussed in prior uh, subcommittee me meetings, and we'll be taking a vote on those two items. We'll be discussing the metrics. We're not voting tonight on, on anything, but I wanted um, to set the stage with really having the, one of the key ex experts talk about um, the report uh, and, and have the committee ask any questions. So it's, it's, it's very challenging right now with the schools. And, you know, I, I think given where the metrics are going and we're talking about the, 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 number, the what we're worried about post uh, the holidays and the spread, you know, these metrics will probably keep um, steadily increasing over this 25 uh, uh, cases per um, 100,000 metric that we have. And so all the more reason, I think we need to think about revising our metrics um, so that even given this community spread um, so that we can get um, our kids back in school. Yeah, so I read Dr. Allen's report, and one of the things that it talked about was testing, surveillance testing for sixth grade through 12th grade. So bringing those older students back would um, also 
you know, it was re recommended that we do surveillance testing for sixth to 12th grade as well. Um, so she didn't say anything about fourth and fifth grade. So I'm assuming that she's not recommending or they're not recommending testing for, for fourth and fifth graders as well. But th those are some of the, the populations that the school committee is, is trying to think or trying to bring back February 8th or second semester. Yeah, we definitely, I think we have discussed that we do want testing for, um, you know, grades, surveillance testing for grades six to, to through 12 for the students. Um, you know, I brought up, we, we it's been recommended. So um, I think Cambridge Public Health Department has that on their radar. I think for the fourth and fifth, you know, something that's come up is, you know, is pool testing. If there's going to be testing for symptomatic students regardless, right. but um, whether or not we do surveillance testing for all the students is something, you know, the report doesn't recommend. I do think pool testing is, rec is an option. It's, um, you know, something that other school systems are doing so that they test as a, as a surveillance um, um, technology. But uh, I think we're, we're figuring out if that could work here um, for the earlier, for the four and fifth and um, the, the earlier grades. So uh, there's some logistical challenges. Um, I think I would be for it um, just because it has another layer of infection control in a way. Uh, but we have seen such low cases in among children and uh, we, barely any. So we, I think they were balancing that. So I think we'll see what the Cambridge Public Health Department recommends. Okay, so that's tonight. Yes. So you have another, <laughs> we, were at, we were at city council meeting last night until 11 I think. So good luck to yeah, you Yeah, I don't know why I went home, to be honest. <laughs> you mentioned I, last night that um, <laughs> you seen the city hall ghost. Yeah, there's some, some spooky stuff. things that happen at night. I get so scared. <laughs> I don't blame you. So scared. I am just like. I, yeah, I'm terrible. Yeah, I spend way too much time here, and I'm like, oh my well, god. Well, don't don't ever go into the attic because that place will give you nightmares. Never nightmares. Never. Oh. <laughs> okay, so also last night, uh, one of the things we voted on was a, um, a zoning petition for Biomed Realty, which has purchased uh, 585 Third Street, which was formerly known as the Constellation Center or Parcel C. So that has been moving through um, the ordinance committee and then we voted uh, at city council and then last night was the adoption of the new zoning. So it's gonna be, it was approved for about 550,000 square feet. It will be 250 feet tall. And one of the, there's two main components of it that are really exciting. Well, I would say three. Um, one of them is we'll have a significant uh, 30,000 square feet arts and culture space uh, that will be built into the building that will have a stage. It will have, um, you know, a number of, of things that the, uh, the arts community has been wanting in Cambridge for a long time. And we keep seeing our arts organizations um, close and our performance spaces close. And so this is a really exciting opportunity to be building a state of the art um, you know, arts and culture center in Kendall Square and really building on um, the arts and culture that exist here and making sure that we're 
prioritizing that uh, in this new building. So I think the team over at, at Biomed has been doing an incredible job over the last two years, really um, listening to the community and particularly the arts community about what they need uh, and making sure that this building delivered what was needed and not necessarily what was wanted because those sometimes are two different things is one of the things we discovered during the, art, the mayor's arts task force that I worked on a couple of years ago. So they were an active member of the arts task force came every week and, and really dug in. And I, I, I was excited that they, you know, crossed the finish line last night on this and that we will be moving forward in a positive direction and gaining some art space rather than losing art space uh, here in Cambridge. The other, one of the other things that's exciting is the, um, there's a GTS site that's right, fronts right on, um, Third Street, that's like this big kind of ever source generator. You've probably seen it a million times and like never noticed what it was, but it is going to be hopefully relocated. Uh, with the zoning, it only allows for this upzoning if, it, if that site is relocated and they're, they're pretty close to moving it. So um, that will allow for a building to front right onto Third, which will enliven the streetscape, et cetera. So that's really exciting. And then the third thing is that it is going to be, um, there's no new gas cup. It is going to be powered by steam and um, for a lab building that is pretty significant. And, um, you know, I think that the environmental, the sustainability of the building is very, very attractive for a number of reasons. And so those are, I think the three biggest components for people that, um, you know, in terms of planning, in terms of the arts, in terms of um, sustainability and our climate goals. I think this, this building is, while it is adding a tremendous amount of space to Kendall Square, it, it actually, it has some really great aspects to it. And the city is getting, I think quite a lot um, for, for what we're giving to Biomed. In fact, this was the first time we did a, sort of an, a financial impact statement on um, the, what Biomed Realty is now getting for that additional square footage over and above the, the base zoning. And um, so it was really interesting to see that report come forward and see, um, you know, in real numbers, uh, what that upzoning looks like and what, you know, Biomed will actually be giving back. So that will be the standard going forward for any upzoning is that we will receive a financial impact report. And you can really see in real time um, whether or not the city is getting uh, what you know, what is commensurate to, to the upzoning that is involved in the zoning. So um, I think I forgot to mention too that I think you and Councillor Zondervan worked on um, getting the Margaret Fuller Neighborhood House $2 million um, with the zoning, you know, to help this local uh, nonprofit that um, has been struggling for several years and they are looking to expand um, and do some renovation. So that will certainly uh, be helpful. So that was something that um, we moved forward with last night. It was actually quite a long conversation. I was surprised, but uh, it passed. And so that's exciting. Yeah, but um, we have that under the bill, but what was said, and I agree with, and you've said this, and Councilor Carlin said that in the future, it would have been great to get, get in that written analysis because um, there's so much for the, that the analysis on um, uh, the financial assessment uh, to get it at a ordinance meeting. Uh, and so that we weren't, um, you know, we only had since Thursday to really read <laughs> the many, many, many 
hours and didn't really have that too, too much time to discuss it. But I think given um, the, 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 all the work that went into it early on um, with Sal and his team and what they did, I felt, you know, we, but most all of us felt comfortable moving the, the project forward and look forward to seeing how it, how it gets done. So yeah, they said 2024. Yeah. Wow. Feels like right around the corner. It's going to be here very soon. Sooner than you, sooner than you <laughs> sooner realize. Than we think, yeah. <laughs> Another thing that we, we discussed last night was the city purchasing the BBN field on uh, Freshmont Parkway at Larch Road at a cost of $18 million for four acres of open space. So BBN and BBN has the option to use it for the next three years and they'll pay us to use it um, in years two and three. This gives the city time to have a community process about what to do with the space. And many of us agreed last night that West Cambridge has a significant amount of open space and not a lot of affordable housing. And it's really important to have the flexibility in the future to use, to have this future use be mixed. Um, and, you know, there was some concern from Councilor Toomey who voted no because the city, um, you know, doesn't seem to step up and buy property when it's available in East Cambridge. But, you know, like the, the whole person site, for example, uh, but I think most of us said because uh, the, the order in itself said open space or um, municipal purposes that um, we'd have that, the council would have that flexibility to say we want it to be used for something like affordable housing. Yeah, and I, I, that was one of the things I really wanted to make sure of last night because it was like open space or other municipal use. And I wanted to really make sure that we weren't gonna, three years from now, realize that other municipal use was like, you know, a school, um, a fire right. station, a library, but not affordable housing. And so I, I really asked a lot of questions about, um, you know, the mechanisms by which the city could consider affordable housing a municipal use if we weren't the builder of the actual housing. So um, I, I felt comfortable moving forward last night with um, with this, it, it, you know, it, got, it gets really complicated because the BBNN, it's a friendly sale, but the way that it has to go is through like a, a an eminent domain friendly taking and then you can, <gasps> only, and then yeah. you can only pay you know the pro tanto amount. And I don't. Then... I it, this is so triggering for me as gone to law school and, <laughs> and, and taken property law. I was like, ah, I don't want to even think about like the takings clause and, and so forth. So, <laughs> so well, the, the the end of the day is we um, will soon own a property on Fresh Pond Parkway that was a baseball field and some open space on Large Road, uh, and there will be. Uh, significant time for us to do a process to try to figure out what will go there yep. and um I, I think the city manager last night said you know for as long as he has been working for the city it has been a major goal of the council to acquire uh open open space like this when it comes available and that you know i, I think the city was approached to purchase this land we aren't always approached to purchase land. Um, and I, I think it has been a major um, criticism, I think for a long time that the city has not made themselves available to be approached, right? Like, I think a lot more people would come to the city and say, 
we got this opportunity for you if we were in the business of actually doing this more than this is the first time I've seen this happen right where it hasn't been a gift from MIT or Alexandria yep, or somebody yep. um so you know if if we if we open ourselves up to these opportunities you know hopefully we will there will be more of them there will be more of them so yeah. um I think that was kind of it yeah. for like the big you know sort of topical items that happened last night um one of the things we wanted to let everybody know is that there, um, we have talked about this before on our podcast, but the small business winter COVID-19 graph grant uh, is, is open. We launched a new small business winter COVID grant on December 15th, which was funded with a, about 16, I can't even talk today. It's okay. It's okay, BBD, BBD. BBD, yeah, over 600,000 uh, yes. dollars in federal CARES Act funding. So uh, eligible Cambridge businesses can receive up to $6,000 to help with business expenses, PPE, online marketing. You can learn more online if you Google uh, CDD, Small Business Winter COVID-19 Grant. Tweet at us or email us if you can't find it, we'll certainly get it out to you. This grant is prioritizing um, our MWBEs, our minority and women-owned business and, and enterprises um, because there was some concern that uh, some of those organizations in the first round of funding uh, did not or were not able to access grants. So we're really trying to target those organizations and make sure that they uh, have this opportunity. So those, like I said, the applications opened on December 15th and they will be open until January 8th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The city is also offering phone office hours, in-person appointments, and other resources to help businesses who need assistance in applying for the grant. So for more questions, whether or not you're HUD eligible, the grant criteria or the application, you can um, contact uh, EDD, which is the Economic Development Division, EDD at cambridgema.gov, or you can call 617-349-4654. Great. And, um... The City of Cambridge offices are going to be closed on Thursday and Friday, um, and also closed on, on Friday, January 1st. Um, so payments are not required at the City of Cambridge parking meters and parking meter pay stations on Friday, December 25th, um, and Friday, January 1st, 2021. So just know about, just know that. And then we wanted to also tell you about a board vacancy um, on the Cambridge Commission on Status of Women, uh, commissioner staff, support staff and their mission to create and promote programs that increase public awareness and understanding of multiple issues affecting women and girls, particularly marginalized women and girls within the city. Um, and they advocate to improve the quality of uh, women's and girls' lives and build um, uh, coalitions and partner with uh, coalitions. So the the um, application deadline is Friday, January 5th, um, and you can go to cambridgema.gov slash apply. Um, if you, you're interested, definitely join if you'd like this as one way to um, serve the, the city. It's also known as our favorite commission. Yeah. The status of, of women. Mm-hmm, yep. The yep. women, are, they, I, I have heard 
And it's just a rumor that it, it might, um, the name might change to the Commission of the Status of Women Are Here. <laughs> 2021. They should, they should. Uh, um, I am getting a live update right now that the governor is rolling back, um, doing a more of a rollback. I think he must I listen to it. this pod. <laughs> he listens to this podcast. He was like, I got to get those options off the table. Those women are here. Women are talking about me. Um, so that is happening right now. I am curious to see what those ro additional rollbacks are going to be. It seems like it's just going to be reducing capacities, probably um, similar to what <laughs> Cambridge did yesterday. Um, so look out for those rollbacks and, and, you know, you're welcome. You're, you're welcome. I do want to say that this is probably, this is our last podcast of the garbage dumpster fire year of 2020. Mm. So, um, in an effort for it not to be, um, to end this year with, with a little gratitude um, and things we're looking forward to, I would have to say that I am grateful uh, to the Cambridge community. I wanna say that over the last two weeks, you know, working on this challenge um, against hunger and seeing so many people jump right in and, and donate and ask how they can get involved and ask how they could spread the word. It was really, really affirming for me that we live in a, a, such a caring community that comes together. And it reminded me of the beginning of COVID where I felt like that sort of all the time where it was scary and we were thrust into this world where, you know, we were talking about testing and, and we were talking to epidemiologists and, you know, so many things that I think you and I never expected to, to do when you know we were elected or even running for these positions just that gratitude I had at the very beginning for people kind of jumping in and coming together really for me this past week really rounded my year out um, and really feeling grateful to the Cambridge community and I guess I'm, I also need to say that I'm so grateful to my family for putting up with me for the past 10 months it has been a real struggle I think everyone living in our house, the four of us on Zoom meetings, Zoom schools, Zoom calls. Um, you know, my husband last night on Monday nights now has to wait to go to bed until our, our council meetings are over because I'm in our council meetings in our bedroom. Um, so I, those are some things that I'm grateful for. How about you? Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, it's been challenging. It's been really, really challenging and um, you know, I've, I look back and I'm so proud of all the work that, you know, the city we've been able to do. And, um, you know, with the mayor's disaster relief, we're almost at 5 million, which it's is amazing. amazing. And, um, you know, we're going to keep going, right? The need is great. And so um, we'll keep fundraising until the new year and, and keep trying to help our residents and, and our businesses and organizations. And, uh, so there's there's a lot to be proud of. Um, you know, I'm still reflecting. I think I'll probably have some kind of breakdown <laughs> next well, week. For sure. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, oh, my, you know, the hours uh, and and hours and hours and um, of living here. But you know, I haven't done it alone. I'm really you know thankful for my team, uh, my chief of staff, Madeline Cormack. Um, you know, my education liaison, B Kim, and and our executive assistant, Subu. 
Um, it's it's been it's been a lot, uh, and you know we we've but we've we've been going, and and um, it's it is a really a privilege really to 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 serve, and and you know I look back at that day of inauguration, January sixth. It's, it's January sixth, and it's going to be a year. And who knew? Who knew? Uh, but it has been it's been challenging. It's been rewarding. It's it's still not, it's not going to be over for a while. We have such a few challenging months ahead um, and we're going to be working really, really hard. Um, so, you know, grateful to my, to my family and uh, my friends. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm not as eloquent, but I'm, I'm exhausted. And I know I'm going to try to really take Thursday and Friday off <laughs> and really, really try. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, it is a, it's been such, it's just been nonstop. It's been nonstop. It has. And I think that's where it comes back to like, when I look at those pictures of, of you and I, like in, you know, like our trip to DC in March, like they, oh those people gosh. had no idea um, that, that this is where we would be right now. And I think, you know, for next year, I think the only thing that's keeping me going from, you know, like, it is, we, it is going to be challenging. It's going to be really hard to get through the next couple of months, but it's so nice now, you know, watching people get vaccines and, and looking at the rollout and, you know, mm -hmm. looking at like who Joe Biden has chosen for some of his cabinet secretaries. Like we haven't even talked about Deb Holland being the, the secretary of oh, the interior, yeah. like to have a native American woman as the secretary of the interior, like there are like, there are huge wins right now. And it's hard to see them because they're everything's kind of tough and hard and just trying to get through every single day. But there have been like some glimmers of hope. And I, I think I'm hoping that 2021, although I know it isn't going to be perfect, I think that there will be more and more of those moments of hope that have really been missing for me, particularly since like September. I think that the last three months have been really hard because, you know, the, there was the election and you know, the, the ramp up of the virus. But now I feel like there's enough good stuff, you know, even out how hard it is that I feel like we might make it to the end of this together, all of us. And um, I've been so grateful to have, you know, your friendship through this because literally, <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. Um, I, there, there have been days where I've just Googled <laughs> <laughs> how to leave elected office you know it's it's been it's been hard but like you said it's been a, an honor and a privilege to serve during this time and I think once we have we all have some time to reflect and look back you know we are living through this moment in history that people will talk about and will write about and um, it will be the subject of movies and and books and um, yeah. it's wild living through like a really historic time Cause you just got your head down. I was, uh, somebody tweeted the other day, like, is this why the roaring twenties happened? Because after the Spanish flu, people were like, I am, I'm going out every night. I'm wearing a short dress. I'm wearing a feather in my hair. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to a party every night. Like what will our like version of like 2022 be? Like, will, will we all decide that like as a society that what's important is friends and family and, and being together and, you know, Anyway, that's what I'm looking forward I'm gonna to. I'm going to miss, um, I, like, I had an opportunity to go out dancing, like, right before the pandemic hit. And, like, 
you know, said no. <laughs> like, yeah, I get a chance to do that. Like, so I am like, you know, ready. Yeah, it's 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 fun thinking about what's really is what is ahead. And so you're right. If there's, we're making through it, you know. And yeah, did on and being able to, you know, uh, go through this together. And we have some really good memories to show. <laughs> 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 we keep sending each other like look at us we you know I had more hair and you know I was yeah 20 pounds lighter but you know it's it is what it is we, I think everyone is going through different things and um, we'll get through this yeah well listeners if you've listened this far we appreciate you we're grateful for you um, thank you for being a member of our community and wearing your mask and doing all the things um, to help yes. your your neighbors and your community members. I know we probably don't say it enough, but we, I'm eternally grateful for the residents of Cambridge who just at each and every turn did all the things um, that were needed to keep our community safe. So I hope you have a beautiful rest of your new year um, with your family, um, with your friends via Zoom. Yeah. (laughs) And that you get some downtime and you can read some books and sleep late and all that stuff. So um, I guess we will see you next year in 2021. Yeah, happy, happy new year. Uh, you know, wishing you happiness and, and health and um, definitely reach out to us if you need anything. I'm at Mayor Siddiqui on Instagram and, and Twitter um, and Facebook. And I'm at am. M-A-L-L-O-N on um, Twitter and counselor Alana Mallon on Instagram. Feel free to reach out anytime. Um, let us know what yeah. you need, but happy new year. Happy Take holidays. Care. Awesome Take care. Bugs. Bye. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye.